Hello everybody, Dr. F. Scott Field here, and I'd like to introduce you to our newest sponsor. The NPTE Final Frontier is the review course that I wish was around when I took the board exam. For those of you who know my story, it took me a handful of times to pass that exam, and quite frankly, I really wish I had an an exam review course around, uh, just like the NPTE Final Frontier. Uh, Check out their website, npteff.com, and use the code HET at checkout for 10% off to all of our listeners and fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I've got with me longtime friend, uh, basically somebody I've known for years now and had the pleasure of working with recently, too, uh, Dr. Craig Bowen. Craig, how are you, man? Tell us a little bit about your educational journey and how it's led you to where you're at today. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, the, the conversation is going to be about the House of Delegates, and I'm here now. I'm in D.C. Uh, things are starting to kick off already. I'll be in meetings here soon. But uh, my educational journey, I it wasn't very straightforward, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm like a lot of people that didn't have a traditional route getting into physical therapy, uh, didn't have the GPA, so to speak. Um, and it really... I had to leverage everything possible to get in. So I had a 275 GPA. I've shared that story. There's a blog post out there um, that's had, you know, 50,000 views or something like that now. But um, I basically leveraged everything I could to bolster my resume to get in. And and I really used that story of that's how bad I wanted to be in this profession. And ultimately, you know, I'm really happy to be here. I, I think that has really like anchored me and I wanted to constantly contribute uh, I feel like I, I owe a debt not only to the people that helped me, but to the, the future leaders that are coming up, but but also to the profession. Uh, like, I really wanted to be here, and and now I'm lucky to to be one of the voices in the profession that, that helps on, you know, deciding the, the future of it. Yeah, I mean, you and I share a lot uh, in common, and I think one of them is, is that kind of GPA slash non-traditional path to physical therapy school, right? I mean, I was an English major. Uh, before I went into physical therapy school. And again, my GPA wasn't the greatest. Um, But I think, you know, being a little bit different and, uh, you know, being able to communicate effectively and write and read, you know, pretty well and, uh, you know, interview pretty well. I think that really helped me, you know, get into PT school as uh, a little bit um, maybe outside the box candidate, you know. And uh, luckily, uh, both you and I now have had pretty decent careers. And and we've been fortunate enough to have opportunities to give back to the profession and to give back to those that helped us and in, in the future, you know. So uh, like you said, today we're talking about House of Delegates, obviously very timely. This is all going on right now. Uh, why don't you start us off by just telling us a little bit about what the House of Delegates is. Tell us what APTA's HOD is uh, and what they do. Yeah, ultimately the House of Delegates is is essentially like one of our governing bodies of the profession. So you can think about um, the House of Delegates is is kind of like almost your Congress. Every state has a representative here at some level, and I can talk more about that. But then you also have your kind of executive branch. You have your president, board of directors, all that stuff. And between the two, these two parties have to collaborate in one way to basically determine where we're going and what we're doing. Um, the, the House of Delegates kind of formulates everything. And then the, the, your executive branch, quote unquote, is, is the ones going out there and, fi- and figuring out how we're going to do it or maybe even providing recommendations back to the House. Look, this is what we've, we're seeing. This is what we're, 
we're uh, gathering information on and then giving us recommendations on how we can put policy or different bylaws and stuff like that into place to kind of shape things. Um, when you look at the, the state by state stuff, that's what I was saying with regards to the House of Delegates. The House of Delegates has uh, each state has a certain amount of delegates, and that's based on percentage membership within each state, APTA membership within each state. So uh, I can think about a small state. I was looking at it today, actually. It, small states like Delaware, New Mexico, Vermont, they only have two delegates. They have a chief delegate and they have somebody else that's, that's another pairing delegate. So every state has at least two minimum. And then they might have alternate delegates, say, right now, right? Somebody gets COVID, they can't come to House Delegates. The alternate would step in and, and come to the House of Delegates. Uh, there might even be instances this week, um, this weekend, where somebody might not have come just because it just happened today. So that the chief delegate would have to carry their vote. So those types of things happen. I'm in Texas. We have 25 delegates. Now, in Texas, it's done by districts. So for me, I think there's probably about 18 districts. I'm a district delegate. So my district elected me to represent our district at the House of Delegates for Texas, right? But there's also at-large delegates because we have more delegates than districts. So those terms are only one year. Now that's how we do it in Texas. It might be done differently. I was a delegate in New Jersey for two years. That was a two-year term too, but I wasn't elected by the district. I was just elected by the APTA members of New Jersey as a whole. So every, every state has, has differences, uh, but essentially that's the, the gist of it. Uh, in 2020, I believe, we elected to have section vote. So each section that you have, you know, orthopedics, geriatrics, neurology, whatever, education, um, the, every section that's, a, that's in the APTA now has two votes. So we've, we were... Um, we decided to expand the, the House of Delegates. You know, at some level, it's a little maybe controversial uh, because now you're, when you expand, your vote actually shrinks, right? Your percentage isn't as good as it was prior to the expansion. So that was maybe an argument against it, but ultimately, it, I think it's important to have those individuals voting. So I voted for that at that time. Uh, previously, they would just provide advice to the House of Delegates. So they would have representatives in the room during the House of Delegates. If there was a topic concerning their certain section, they might come to the microphone and say, this is our perspective on it. But now they actually can do that and get a vote on it. And last year, the PTAs basically were in a similar situation. They called it the PTA caucus. The PTA caucus had their little group of PTAs that were, I think they were elected or maybe they're volunteers, but I think they were elected. Um, and they would come in, kind of give their perspective on the microphone, but they didn't have a vote. We voted last year to get a, that they would have two votes this year. So now the sections have two votes, PTAs have two votes too. So that's something that's fairly new to the House of Delegates. I, I was trying to do a count. I think it's about 440 votes now total, something like that. Uh, previously, it was closer to about like 402, 403, somewhere in that neighborhood. Very cool. That's a pretty good layout of uh, the the bigger picture of the House of Delegates and what it is and what it does. Tell me a little bit about why is it important? Why is the House of Delegates important? Why do you feel it's important? What what is what is the the reasoning behind uh, trying to get you know into the House of Delegates or or you know supporting it, so to speak? Yeah, when you look at the House of Delegates, and this, we all know about our state practice acts. The House of Delegates essentially is setting the whole umbrella practice act for our nation, 
So that's what the House of Delegates is doing. So if there's something that's not in there, um, for instance, we had um, a motion, I think, in 2020 to like kind of make a, either we added telehealth or we expanded. I can't remember specifically, but there was a telehealth motion in there. So that way we're covering ourselves from a practice act standpoint nationally to have telehealth included in there. We don't want to be like self-limiting to our own profession. And that's why it's important. Now, state to state, you still have to follow your state practice act. Um, and there's going to be derivations of whatever, because you're your local legislators are going to vote on that stuff. But as a whole, the APTA kind of sets the standard of, of what's going on. So um, there could be certain things like that. There's a, there's a lot of, sometimes it'll directly impact you. Sometimes it won't. Uh, the one motion that Texas is working on this year is talking about accommodations for learning. Well, I don't want to call it like a learning disability, but if you need accommodations for uh, testing accommodations, right? That's like one of the things right now that Texas is putting forward we're working on, um, I'll give a mention to Katie Franklin. She's, she's in San Antonio with me down there. Um, she's the one that really brought this to Texas attention. And now we're trying to bring this motion forward to the whole of the house of delegates, but basically there's discrepancies between testing accommodations from state to state. Uh, so maybe you had testing accommodations in a certain state because of your university standards. And now all of a sudden you're going to a different state for a different board and there's different testing accommodations. So something like that should be fairly uniform, but we don't think about those types of things. And it was brought to somebody's attention. Maybe it was brought to Katie's attention. I'm not sure, but how it went, but it got brought to a delegate's attention. Now we're working forward on a motion to, to make this happen that, that basically the language will be there. Now, what are the next steps to make this happen? Um, sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it doesn't. So I guess my next question is, what does it look like? Walk us through like a day in the life of a House of Delegate uh, person. Like what what is what does your schedule look like for the next couple of days? Show, kind of walk yeah. us through what that is. For sure. So I, I got in here this afternoon and then there's a there's a keynote speaking thing going on actively right now. Um, then I'm bypassing. <laughs> but uh then after that, we'll meet as a delegation in Texas. And I think most delegations will be meeting tonight. So you'll probably have dinner of some sort and you'll be talking about, you know, what's the game plan tomorrow and that kind of stuff. Then we wake up early in the morning. Our, our delegation, again, is meeting at seven o'clock. So we'll have breakfast. We'll meet as a delegation to talk about stuff. Now, what are we talking about? Some of it might just be the game plan. Like, hey, this is what we're doing now. We, we've already been talking about our schedule, but you just never know how things might shift. Um, but at language in these motions is actively being changed right now. Um, there will be motions that will be on the floor tomorrow that as a whole, we've heard everybody come to the microphone and we've agreed that we like the motion, but the language doesn't work. Now, why doesn't the language work? Well, you have to, language matters, words matter. Um, basically, if a word can mean something, but imply something else. So you have to be careful with that. Not only that, you have to be careful that your language matches previous motions because you don't want it to undercut the, the language of something else and maybe open this wormhole or Pandora's box in this other area, which we didn't intend to at all. So luckily there's a lot of people that are really well versed in that, um, in that language that can provide guidance and that kind of stuff. Those kind of questions um, always come up. The, the current um, 
I would just stay with this bill for Texas, this motion for Texas. Uh, one of the things was called reasonable accommodations, right? That was originally in the thing. Now reasonable has gotten taken out and it's gotten put into something more specific. So there's, there's all these different things, but uh, essentially we'll meet tomorrow. Then the house itself, I can tell you right now, the house itself will meet for a couple hours. So tomorrow the house meets from 1130, uh, excuse me, 830 to 1130. Then you'll break for lunch. So then we'll meet as, as a delegation again. We'll grab lunch. Then we'll come back. House of Delegates will then go from one to five. Um, we'll have dinner tomorrow night. We might meet as a delegation a little bit, but right now my delegation doesn't seem like it's uh, it's meeting and we're going to have dinner. And then again, it starts back up. So 7.15, we're in a room doing breakfast. Then House of Delegates, 8.30 to 11.30. And then it goes from one to three. And then it'll end there. So all business needs to be done in that time period. Uh, if it doesn't get seen, it doesn't get seen. The agenda is kind of set right now, but if we felt like something was at the bottom of the agenda that was more of a priority, we could vote to have that reordered to the top. And I believe it takes a two thirds vote to do something like that. So there's different rules. We follow Robert's rules. Uh, there's all these different rules that we have to follow. And as a new delegate, that might be kind of confusing. This is my fifth year as a delegate. So I'm a little more well-versed in understanding some of these processes. So let's talk about that. You talked about new delegates. If somebody's interested in becoming a delegate, what does that process look like? How should they go about trying to get involved in House of Delegates? So I definitely can speak to a state delegation. I, I don't really want to speak to a section delegate because I'm not sure exactly what these sections have in place. But just know that that option's out there if you want to be a section delegate. Um, it might be harder in certain delegation or excuse me, certain sections and than others, but that option's out there. For states, definitely contact people within your state. So um, within the TPTA, and they'll be able to direct you. Now, for me, in New Jersey, I was a student that was active in the APTA. So I was kind of groomed along the process of it. So um, when it came time to um, nominate people, somebody approached me about it. I was already interested in that as a student. So it wasn't a big deal for me to say yes. And they, they nominated me and I had to go through the election process. In Texas, I didn't know anybody. So for me, I had to go from a completely new, new territory. Now, in Texas, we actually have two elections. We have your district election and then we have the um, that large elections. So when I had reached out, I had actually missed the at large. So the only option I had was to run for my district. Luckily, I, I had won that election. But uh that's, that's basically what you would do. You would talk to somebody in the TPTA. You can email anybody over there or, or what, you know, I'm saying TPTA, but anybody in your state um, association and they would totally be able to direct you in, in the right direction. But you definitely have to be mindful of the times. I assume most people will need to have, so most delegations will probably be elected people right after this. Uh, so, you know, as soon as House of Delegates ends, you need to be on top of it because the cycle could be starting soon. Now with the, House of Delegates, it used to be in June every year. Now it's moved, It's right now in August the past two years, maybe even three years now. So it's it's kind of messing with the timelines of things a little bit. But it, again, it varies state to state. Every state does everything. Well, there could be similarities, but most times, sometimes, or sometimes it could be different for state to state. But reach out to them. They'll be able to guide you in the right direction. Even if you don't win your election or get elected or whatever, don't get discouraged by that because 
there's plenty of times where alter what we consider alternate delegates. These are individuals that were slated that didn't get uh, nominated or didn't get elected. Those individuals will still sit sometimes. So Texas, I think every year we have at least three or four alternates that get moved into the House of Delegates and, and are here. So depending on your size of your state, you could have pretty high turnover with alternates getting in there. So don't get discouraged. It's easy to you know, feel like you didn't win the election, maybe because people didn't know who you were. You didn't have maybe certain credentials that people were looking for, but you could still get slid into that uh, House of Delegates it, and you could get the call like the week of. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're on standby, but you'll be attending all the meetings and all that stuff. So that's still useful to hear all that because your your state delegation is going to hold local meetings like we hold monthly meetings. So it's you're still getting versed into it because it's all through repetition. There's a lot of new stuff that happens with this. So it's still good to get the practice and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, Craig, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out and educating our audience into all things House of Delegates and what that looks like and why it's important and, and the advocacy part of things and how to get involved. Uh, we're going to leave you with this one final question we ask all of our guests. Uh, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change? How would you change it and why? Yeah, I think, you know, as as my journey started, right, it wasn't easy. Like it, it took a, it was a very big uphill battle for me to get into grad school. I finally got there. I worked my tail off. I, I did a lot of like APTA stuff at that point in time. And then I finally got my career and my career was pretty um, easy when I first started. But as I've worked in this profession, I feel like it's, there's challenges ahead for all of us. And I don't know what those challenges are for you or for anybody, but I just know that it's become challenging at times, uh, whether it's, you know, your caseload or dealing with insurance companies or just handling this, this idea of maybe decreased schedule flexibility or whatever it is, there's going to be like certain psychological aspects that come into your life that are going to make this career challenging at times. And I think uh, we're, we're all here for the right reasons. We want to help people. Uh, but sometimes I think it's easy to forget about ourselves and I'm not turning this into a self-care piece by any means, but I think we need to like have part of our education is setting the expectation that this job might not be easy. Um, it might be tough. It might be hard. And that's the nature of patient care. And I don't say that as a physical therapist, I say that as a healthcare professional because it's happening to doctors, it's happening to dentists, it's happening to nurses, it's happened to eye doctors, you know, you listen to the amount of people that are in healthcare right now, and it, I don't want to say there's a mass exodus, but there's people exiting because of the work demand. So I think we need to start preparing people for the understanding that this might be tough. Um, and there's different levels of tough. And, and I think it's maybe just part of the, maybe a part of a course, not even at an actual course, but just having this piece of, hey, this is what's out there. This is what to expect. Maybe it's just sharing different experiences about it. Uh, even in one of the hospitals I had, I worked in a neurology unit, or, uh, they had a neurology unit there. And a lot of those conditions are um, degenerative, right? You're, as clinicians, we get energy from getting people better. And that population doesn't really get better. So they had like a, a support group of just conversations just to help those clinicians. So that way they weren't taking on that burden, right? Like that's, that's not my example. That's a, somebody else's life, right? 
but you just never know what's going to come up into your, your thing. Maybe there's work challenges in 2020. I was out of work for a long time. So like, you just never know, but I think some of these things, just understanding that the healthcare is hard and uh, you know, setting that expectation up front, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Uh, and I think the people that are at the house of delegates understand that we're working on trying to make that future better. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to take hard work to, get the changes happen it's not going to just happen overnight we have legislators that are involved in our profession that don't even know what we do so um there's always going to be an uphill battle for physical therapy so if we're setting that expectation in the classroom i think we're just all going to be better served for it yeah i mean grit perseverance and uh, mental fortitude you know i think we need we definitely need to up that game after covid that's for sure 2020 was uh, brutal on everyone so I think we can come a little better prepared uh, for the next big thing, you know. Um, sure. Craig, thank you so much for your time, man. I can't say how much we appreciate you coming on. Where can people reach out to you if they have any more questions about House of Delegates or how to get involved or just follow up with uh, what you're up to these days? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Craig P. Bowen is probably the easiest way to, to reach out to me. Um, the the blog post that I was referencing, if people wanted to go, it was like an experimental blog I did was DPT Perspective. I don't write on that. And at some level, it has some personal development stuff that I was experimenting with. But uh, overall, those are the, the two places if people wanted to go and check out my my story, they can check it out there. The the story was called Pre-PT Hacks, Eight Ways to Increase Your Acceptance Rate. But if they want to reach out, find me on uh, Twitter. That's prim my primary social media. I don't use Facebook or anything like that. Awesome, man. We'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, Craig, always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, Scott.